Hey everyone, welcome to part two of tonight's episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. Now Joe. Alright Joe, when we left off, I was talking about what I thought was the most important play of that Auburn-Georgia game that really started off things on the wrong foot for Auburn, and that was Smoke Monday's ejection for targeting. Um, when he, as a starting safety, was playing on kickoff coverage, uh, kickoff coverage team. What did you think about that, Joe? And do you think that's a sign to coaches to just not do that anymore? Yeah, I would just say in general, uh, to the point you were making in our previous segment, I feel like it's a mistake and a huge gamble when you put guys that are either going to be a key offensive or defensive player in special teams because injuries are so common on special teams. I mean, obviously, you know, you hate to sacrifice any of your players. But on special teams, you've got to be really careful with, you know, a player that's going to play a vital role. When I think about, um, you know, later on we're going to talk about the Saints. I remember on Sunday, Alvin Kamara returned a punt because I think that Deontay Harris had left the game. Now you're really nervous, you know, a skill position player like that is doing something like that because I realized that uh, the injury uh, opportunities or something to happen, you know, like an ejection or just something fluky, I feel like it's much uh, stronger on special teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's the thing is you you better be like desperate if you're going to put a starter on special teams. There, there's a place for those players, and this is what can happen when you put your starter out there. Um, so I thought that it started off with bad coaching, and it never really got much better. Um, speaking of Auburn, Joe. What do you look at is what they need to do this week to Arkansas to get a little bit of that confidence back? And do you, I mean, hey, after what Arkansas did last week, do you think that game is as much of a slam dunk as we thought it was last week? It's not a slam dunk, but at the same time, you got to think that the way the two programs are going to come into this game, I think that Auburn will be fine ultimately because they're going to have, I think, a razor-sharp focus for Barry. Whereas Arkansas, you know, just being human, how can you not celebrate and be distracted by what happened last week? Yeah. And I just think it would be a lot easier for Auburn to come back down to earth and refocus. And also, I think, from a skill set, Auburn's uh, offense can rely on your know, running the football some, and they're not just going to be reliant on the default like Mississippi State was going to try to be against Arkansas. So I feel like there's multiple ways that Auburn's offense can beat Arkansas, and I just don't see um, Arkansas being able to score enough points to beat, um, to beat Auburn. Well, that's what I think, too. I mean, you look at back-to-back weeks, they scored 10 points against Georgia, 21 against not a very good Mississippi State defense. Um, Auburn didn't have the best defensive output last week against Georgia, but they still have a lot of talent on that defense. And even if Auburn's offense does continue to struggle a little bit, which I think they're going to improve this week, um, you're right. I just don't see Arkansas having the players to be able to beat Auburn this week and put up enough points. So, you know, one thing about about Gus, he did a terrible coach against Georgia, but, man, he loves to put it to Arkansas. I mean, he's lost to Arkansas one time, and outside of that, I think he's beat them by, like, an average of 30 points. So, I guess with him coming from Arkansas, he cares a lot about that game, and he usually coaches a good week for it. So, I imagine Auburn will probably put it to Arkansas this week, and Arkansas is kind of in a bad spot after, you know, they're going to be playing a bad Auburn team this week. 
But you know Chad Morris is mad too. That's true. Chad Morris is also going to want to put it to Arkansas after firing him after less than two seasons. Um, speaking of which, Joe, let's look at let's look at some more uh, let's look at some more games from coming up for this week. One I want to look at outside the SEC before we look at some of the other ones is Oklahoma and Texas. Joe, have you ever been less excited for an Oklahoma-Texas game than what we're seeing this week? I mean, this might be the worst Oklahoma-Texas game I've ever seen in my entire life. Oklahoma right now, one and two. They beat an FCS team, and they've lost two games in a row where they had double-digit leads in the second half. Texas, they almost lost to a bad Texas Tech team. Then they go out and lose to a TCU team who's barely played a game. And right, right now, what everyone thought was going to be the game that decided the Big 12 looks to be a game that decides who's going to be in the middle of the Big 12 and, you know, who can hang on as possibly being the last chance team for a Big 12 playoff only if Texas wins. What a disappointing Red River rivalry we have this weekend. I mean, it's just vastly disappointing. You look at Oklahoma sitting there at the unfathomable start over to the Big 12, Texas already with a loss. I, mean, I feel like both teams are done, especially Oklahoma, as far as your playoff chances. Obviously, yeah. just you know, absence sometimes, sometimes just max chaos with every you know conference champion having two losses. So I don't see that happening. It reminds me a lot, Dan, of uh, the Virginia Tech team back in like 2010 with Tyrod Taylor. They started out the season like 0 and 2, 1 and 2, lost to James Madison early in the season, lost to Boise State. They came in the season with like, like a top 10 team. And Frank Beamer was able to turn that team around and actually went out and go to the Orange Bowl. But here's the big difference with what I see in college football 2020 that's working against Oklahoma being able to pull something, something like that off. I feel like that was a different era because Virginia Tech still felt like they had a lot to play for to go to a BCS Bowl and win a conference championship. One thing about the playoff that has hurt college football is people do not put as much of an emphasis on going to an outside New Year's Six game. You know, they only concentrate on the playoff. And for a program like Oklahoma that has so much expectation, thought that Spencer Rattler was going to pick up where um, the two um, you know Heisman Trophy winners and Jalen Hurts, the runner-up, left off. I mean, this is just vastly disappointing. And I don't think Oklahoma is going to be able to psychologically recover from this. I don't think they'll have you know, such a dreadful season where they go you know two and ten or four and eight. But I think they're setting up for about an eight and four, an eight and two, or however many games they're playing. I'm looking at them probably having what would normally be an eight and four season where yeah. they drop you know a couple of games. Well, Joe, I mean, uh, yeah, the question that I have with this game is. You know, who's got the motivation here and which coach is more worried? Because right now, I mean, Lincoln Riley's fine. He's never going to lose his job in Texas or anything like that. But what, the worry I would have as an Oklahoma fan is if he loses this game, he's also a one-in-three start. Does he start to think about some of those NFL options that are out there for him? Because right now you look at him, I mean, he might think in his mind that he's done everything he can do at Oklahoma. Sands won a national championship. He's been to three consecutive college football playoffs. He hasn't won any of them, but he's been to all of them. And if he goes 0-3 and he starts 
they start he goes 0-3 in the Big 12. He starts hearing from all the Sooners fans all the time that are expecting him to be in the college football playoff every season. Maybe he just doesn't want to deal with it anymore. And so I think this is where you're going to find out if you're an Oklahoma fan how serious your coach is about staying in college because this is going to be a rough season for him. If he loses to Texas, and especially if Texas goes out there and beats him badly, then he's going to hear about it more than he's ever heard, even after losing whatever it was, 50 to 10 against LSU last year. No, no doubt. You know, that's a compelling point, too. you got to think that the New York Jets are already envisioning you know, an opportunity where they could get kind of a package deal and get both Trevor Lawrence and, uh, um, and um, what's the name of Oklahoma, the Lincoln Rowling. You know, he get both of them to come there. You know, that'd be quite the statement for that franchise. It's something they need to kind of resurrect uh, their, their misfortune. Um, so, yeah, those distractions are going to be there on the NFL side. Um, but I think that Texas is probably going to end up winning this game on Saturday as the more motivated team. I mean, Oklahoma at this point, it would strictly be desperation. But ultimately, I think that Ellinger will probably be the difference maker in his ability to run the ball. I think that Spencer Rattler will still put up you know, some pretty good numbers, but I don't think he's probably going to have a very efficient game. I see him, you know, throw it kind of similar to what KJ Costello did against Arkansas, you know, where he throws the ball like 40, 50 times, but, you know, has a lot of incompletions and just doesn't throw for as many yards as you would think. Probably has an interception or two. Like, when I, when I praise Spencer Rattler, I feel like the difference right now between him and those other quarterbacks that they've had so much success with is he's so inexperienced. He's got a lot of rookie growth. You see all the talent in the world, but you just see too many mistakes. And I feel like he's probably, you know, a year or so away from really being able to lead this offense better. Well, you, you think about it too, Joe. I mean, you're talking about inexperience. The guys that have been really good at Oklahoma lately were all seniors. So you go down Jalen Hurts, yeah, exactly. grad, graduate transfer. Uh, you talk about Kyler Murray, graduate transfer. Then you talk about Baker Mayfield. He was like a sixth-year senior in the last year he was at Oklahoma when he took him to the college football playoff. And he was also a transfer. So, I mean, now you have a true freshman coming in. It's a lot more difficult. And asked Bo Nix about it last year. And so, Rattler, I feel like he doesn't have that edge yet in close games. He's lost two close games in a row, made interceptions in them. He's, he's missed out on some opportunities. And one thing you know about Ellinger is that he is super clutch. And he's a fourth-year starter in Texas. So I feel like this is going to be a close game. But in the close game, I like the experienced quarterback, the gamer, the one who gets it done when it's crunch time. And, Joe, I also think that right now the Big 12 officials see the writing on the wall with Oklahoma, and they're going to, they're going to get a lot of bad calls from the Zebras this weekend. They're going to be heavy on the Longhorns. So I think that if Oklahoma is going to win this game, they're going to have to beat Texas, and they're going to have to beat the refs in, in Texas, too. Oh, definitely. I mean, Texas is really like the last, last second gasp again for the Big 12 to have a chance in the playoffs, so uh, that they can get a more loss. Nah, yeah, it's them in Oklahoma State right now, and Texas, of course, is a much bigger brand than Oklahoma State. So rough times right now for the Big 12. Um, Joe, on that, let, let's look at uh, next week's games. Uh, we were talking earlier about how great Georgia looked. Tennessee so far has had a pretty good season. Uh, they beat, you know, South, 
a South Carolina team that's not, you know, they're not an upper echelon or even really a mid-echelon SEC team. They're probably one of the better ones at the bottom level. Um, you know, they won in a way that Tennessee normally wouldn't win. They beat up on Missouri last week. But now they play Georgia fresh off of Georgia's utter domination of Auburn. And now we're going to see this week how close is Tennessee to really being back to where they can even compete with the Floridas and the Georgias of the world. So, Joe, what do you see uh, out of Jeremy Pruitt's crew going against the Dogs this weekend? I mean, I think it's an interesting matchup, but I think that ultimately Georgia's just going to have much more talent than uh, Tennessee. I think that I have to give Pruitt a lot of credit for the fact that, you know, this quickly, I guess only in his third year, he's already, you know, making people believe that he can be competitive against Georgia in these types of games. Um, I think that they've come a long way, and I think that even though he originally was not Tennessee's first candidate for that job or first choice, he's turned out to maybe be the right candidate for the job to get them the right direction and kind of revitalize that program. But no, I, I think that Tennessee, you know, has some players, so Garantamo and uh, the quarterback, you know, he's, he's good. But I think that Georgia's running game, Georgia's defense, I feel like that's the difference maker. Joe, I think this is going to be a killing. I think Georgia's going to absolutely beat up on Tennessee. I think Tennessee fans and their programs feeling kind of confident right now. Uh, Garantano is a very inconsistent quarterback. He's one of those dudes that sometimes plays the game of his life and other times is truly terrible. You saw it against Alabama last year. Every time that Garantano is in a big game that means something, he does terrible. And that Georgia defense is not a defense that you can do terrible against. I think that Georgia might beat up on Tennessee worse than they beat up on Auburn. I see this one as a, as a pretty heavy uh, curb stomping on this. I like the dogs big in this one. I don't think that Tennessee's there yet to be able to play with a team like Georgia. Speaking of which, Joe, that leads me to my bet of the week. Uh, this week's bet of the week, I'm calling it my COVID pick of the week. You know why, Joe? Because I'm picking a team that hasn't played a game because of COVID. You got Tulane versus Houston. Joe, I don't know why, but Houston is favored in this game. Houston hasn't played a game in over a year. I mean, they haven't been practicing really. They're playing a Tulane team that has been through everything this year. They had to come back against South Alabama to win. By They were down 21 points. They blew a 21-point lead against Navy. And then last week they went out and destroyed Southern Miss, beat them 62-24. And somehow Houston, which was a, tra- a shell of itself, had De'Ara King opt out and transfer to Miami. It's favored by four points. My pick of the week, COVID. Going Tulane in the money line on the upset over Houston because you know what? Houston still hasn't played any football yet. Come to pick the week. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point. I mean, Tulane's offense, too, is, is vastly underrated. They actually have a couple of guys um, like running back and receiver that are from uh, my area, which Pebble High School, so definitely uh, we'll be tuned into that. But um, my line of the week, Dan, um, I'm picking going against the team that I also went against last week. And that was uh, Texas A&M against Alabama last week. This week is Texas A&M against Florida. And I saw where you're uh, Florida's only favored by six and a half. I think you've got to like Florida on that. I think that Florida's going to beat A&M by at least two touchdowns. 
Joe, I like that pick too. Uh, I actually made that. That's one of the best that I made today, so I'm with you on that. That's a good pick right there. Florida's a good one to, to take on right now. A&M, sell all that stock you have in A&M. I would bet against A&M maybe the rest of the season. Uh, so that was a good pick right there. And I cannot believe that Florida is only favored by six and a half. Um, speaking of which, Joe, on that game, what do you think that Jimbo needs to do in this game to kind of get some of the A&M fans back on his back? Because you look at what happened last week against Alabama. There was didn't seem like Alabama was really that much more talented than A&M. There was obviously a talent gap, but it was the execution of A&M that was just awful. I mean, we're talking about guys who were wide open, dropping passes. They just missed so many plays that you felt like you're talking about a senior quarterback in Kellen Mond. Now Jimbo Fisher's been there for three years, and it was the execution that was bad, and that's coaching. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like if AM's not going to compete against the upper echelon of the SEC this year, it's just not going to happen necessarily under Jimbo Fisher. For whatever reason, it's just not the right thing fit. And you have a senior quarterback in Kellen Mond, so you've got to win games like this against Florida. And honestly, unfortunately for AM fans, I just don't see it. And so I think that absent an upset and a surprise by AM, that's going to give them their second loss of the season. They'll be one and two. They're only winning against a hapless Vanderbilt team. And so I just don't think there's anything Fisher can do outside winning games like this to appease the fan base. And suddenly people are going to start looking at his buyout. Yeah. I, I think that those talks are going to start after the end of the season because this A&M team just doesn't have it. And it's only going to get worse. And I think Florida's going to beat them pretty handily. Um, Joe, speaking of games that the, the team's going to lose handily, let's talk about Ole Miss and Alabama. Uh, fresh off of a great win for Ole Miss last week, now they're taking on Alabama. Good news is, Joe, is we got one win. Um, what do you think about this game against Alabama? The only positive I say is I do think we'll be able to score points and move the ball against them. Yeah, the biggest thing there, I would say, Ole Miss has got to, I think, in this game, show that their offense is truly for real and be able to score three or four touchdowns against Alabama. Yeah. They can't go out and lay an egg because I remember two years ago, um, in an inexplicable performance against Alabama, they only scored seven points. And I say inexplicable because that was an Ole Miss team in 2018, had a really good quarterback in George Tayamu, NFL wide receivers galore. In DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, in the NFL first round left tackle and Greg Little, um, some good running backs, and they only scored seven points against Alabama, and that made no sense at all. So they've got to show that this offense is for real; that they can score against anybody in the SEC. Now, defensively, Alabama is going to do whatever they want to against them. I think they can score 120 points if they really want to. So I think for Ole Miss, it's just showing you know. That you can be somewhat competitive and just get out of this game avoiding any serious injuries. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I think that for Ole Miss, 24 points is a good shooting point. You get over 24, you get 28 points. That's a good game, and you can take that to the bank moving against the season that you scored four touchdowns against a good defense. Uh, you know, I, 
there, there's no realistic shot in my mind that they can even get close to upsetting them. I think the best case scenario you could have if you're an Ole Miss fan, if you hang within 14 points, I'd say you played a great game. Yeah, I mean, I heard somebody say you know, the Lions are, I think, 24 right now. Yeah, I heard somebody say don't concentrate so much on what the line is this year in year one for Lane Kiffin. But let's think about what it might be in two years in 2022 when Ole Miss hosts Alabama again. Yeah. That's when you kind of see the difference. You know, where the line might be a five-point you know, difference in favor of Alabama. But then that shows you that Lane Kiffin has made those made the those recruiting strides. Right, that'll show you progress. You get it within, even even if it's under 10, I think that shows you that Lane's made a lot of progression in the, in the first two years he's been in Oxford. I think this game is about pride and it's about putting some points on the board. Um, Joe, let's go right now to the last, what I think is big college football game of the week. And it's the most important one. And we're going to go to the ACC, the ACC right now. And we're talking Clemson and Miami. Miami's been the story of the college football season at the beginning of the year. De'Ara King, transfer from Houston, just looking incredible, running a great dual-threat offense with, let's, let's, let's put another strike against Gus Malzahn, former Auburn offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley doing a fantastic job down in Miami. And they're taking on Clemson, who had not played anybody yet. Clemson, of course, most talented team in America, has been beating up on people to the number one team. They finally get a test in Miami. What do you see right now between the U and Clemson? Is the U back? Uh, not for this game. I, I really think that you know Miami is going to go out and have you know just a tremendous season and probably only lose one or two games. But I definitely think one of those losses will be against uh, Clemson this week. I just think that Clemson's going to take it to another gear for a matchup like this. I think they've been chomping at the bit for a top 10 opponent. They've been hearing all the hype about Miami all season so far. And I just think you're going to see probably Trevor Lawrence go out and play his best game. And their defense is going to be really good. Probably shut down, contain a deer, a king. We're going to see Clemson win, I'd say, about at least 20 points. Joe, that's exactly where I'm at. That's another bet that I made this week. I also bet on Clemson to cover the line right now is 14 points. That was a game I consider making my pick of the week, but I really like that uh, two-lane on the money line. But these are the kind of games, Joe, that every year in the ACC, there's always one team that somebody tries to say is going to supplant Clemson since Dabo's been there. This year it's Miami. And what happens every time one of those teams comes up to Clemson, they get buried by them. And that's going to happen again this year. Uh, suddenly, Clemson hasn't heard anyone talk about them for weeks. They've been talking about Miami and the ACC. And I think Clemson is really going to put it to them in this game. And I think De'Ara King is going to get completely shut out. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, Joe, if he had less than 200 yards passing and maybe let, and definitely less than 100 yards rushing. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to show him who the real class of the SEC is at the, at the quarterback position, too. No, absolutely. And I think this is just one of those matchups when you evaluate it and make a prediction, just don't overthink things. You know, think about the fact this is Clemson we're talking about. You know, it goes to the playoff now every single year. It's become a household name in college football. You know, don't forget that when you're making this prediction. You know, don't just emotionally select Miami because it's a great story and because you like Deer and King and his talent. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget the fact that Clemson has 
Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Amari Rogers, and then you're just going to add in a defense that, while has a lot of new starters, they're all five stars, every single one of them. So it's just, I think that's going to be a rough game. Um, Joe, with that being said, let's move on to the talk about some of our pro sports, and we'll bring that in on the next segment. I uh, want to thank everyone for listening to our show. Uh, we're always on podcast, uh, we're on Spotify. You can look up the Dan and Joe Sports Show on Spotify. It's all of our old episodes uploaded. And as Joe pointed out earlier, uh, if you search us on Google right now, we're the only Dan and Joe Sports Show, so it comes up first on your Google search. And as always, I'm Dan. I'm Joe.